In this episode, we discuss whether or not building features customers ask for is a valid path towards growth. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. What's up this week, Tyler? What up, Rick? Uh, not a lot. We uh, just kind of business as usual, but we did just start the paddle migration. I know we talked about that a while back, that we're switching off Stripe, and it's happening. Uh, do you Are you glad this is happening? Are you regretful this is happening? Do you, do you feel like you have no choice? Yeah, I feel... I don't want to, I, I want to be clear. I think we made the right decision and I would encourage other people to consider using Paddle and I have nice things to say about them. And also there's no benefit to us at all. Like I just don't want to work on billing stuff. A lot of stuff's changing that is not helping the business in any meaningful way. It's just like, if you want to be in, if you want to pay sales tax, this is the only way I know how. So like, it's mostly annoying, but it's not anyone's fault that it's annoying. It's just like taxes must be paid, you know? Yeah, got to do it. Yeah, but it has been kind of fun in the sense that you've got a new dashboard where everything starts at zero and then you see like the first person pay. And it, it has kind of given me that feeling of the early days when it's like, oh, we got a customer. Because we were like, <laughs> we we're like, is this even going to work? You know, everything might break and the first person pays and actually they got double billed. So it didn't work. But <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> we're working Wait, on it. <laughs> so um, are, are any any interesting updates or learnings? Um. One thing is I probably should have been more careful before switching. I want to be clear. I would still go with paddle and all that, but like I just keep running into things that I didn't realize. And then I'm like, oh shit. Like if I were a good CEO, I would have thought about that. And today I found out paddle only pays you money once a month. Like they, they hold, only, they, they hold it for, they hold it for a month, but like real, realistically from, if you charge, they pay you on the first of the month, and my impression is it might take up to two weeks to get paid. So you might get a six six week delay between earning a dollar of revenue and getting it in your bank account. Are they paying you interest on that? No, not as far as I understand it. And like at the end of the day, again, it's like, well, we still have to do it. It doesn't change anything. It wouldn't have changed my decision, but I'm kind of like, wow, I didn't even think that. Like with Stripe, you know, do they pay you in three days or do they pay you in five? Uh, I didn't, it didn't occur to me it might be six weeks before we get paid. <laughs> um, another thing I've been surprised by, uh, we, so previously we didn't have an annual option. If people wanted to, they could like, we could build them manually and kind of charge them manually, but it was just monthly. And my logic was like, I don't want to offer a discount for annual. Um, so we just never built it. Uh, we, with Paddle, it's a lot easier to just like have that type of option. We still don't offer a discount. It's just the monthly payment times 12. Uh, and so far, 20% of the people... So I, I should say, we haven't switched any of our current customers over to Paddle. It's just new people who are signing up that are on Paddle, and we're going to test it out that way. But three out of 15 people so far chose the annual plan, despite no discount at all. Kind of surprising to me. Are you going to have to deal with accounting issues as a result of taking that money early? Uh, in what sense? Uh, do you run Gap compliant? books or who the fuck knows rick i don't know <laughs> we just <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you when you take money in advance of delivering services you generally have to track uh what's called deferred revenue on the balance sheet and then recognize so you get a thousand dollars uh for well, let's do let's do something easier let's say is, you get the alternative to gap cash flow or something like that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah but, we, we do but that you still you still like i think so you would recognize the one thousand like let's say you get paid twelve thousand dollars or twelve hundred $1,200 today for the next year of service. So $100 a month, mm -hmm. you would typically recognize the revenue $100, uh, $100 a month over time, but you have a cash increase of 1200. So that's a balance sheet change. And so the first month you go $100 of revenue, $1,100 of deferred revenue. The next month it would be- What, what does know, this affect though? Just like whether you pay taxes on it? When you recognize the revenue. But like what- um... It would affect. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I, it would affect. Um, I don't know how it affects taxes actually, because okay. I don't ever like. I don't make money yet, so I don't have uh, tax taxes. I, I guess like, is there some bad guy that's going to come knocking on my door and be mad at me for recognizing the revenue at the wrong time, or is it just like companies do this for their own internal reasons? I have no idea, man. That's a great question. I, I bet <laughs> that I bet like your tax accountant will just handle this. Um, yeah, but it'd be, yeah, I would. I mean, yeah. It, you're not doing anything more than an annual 
payment, right? Like it's not like 10 years in advance. Correct. Although, I mean, in the past, so our, our old system, I said we could bill people manually. The way it actually worked is we just let, we had a page where anyone could enter any dollar amount they wanted and just generate their own invoice for that amount. And we would give them a credit for that. So they could be like, I want to pay 50,000. No one actually pays $50,000 in advance, but they could have. Um, so in theory, anyone could have prepaid as much as they wanted in the past. Uh, now it's really just monthly or annual. Yeah, I'd be, I'm interested, but I don't know the answer. Hmm. Okay. Dear listeners, if any of you know why or if I should care about this, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, like when someone pays in advance, have you been recognizing that as, as revenue in that like that that month or, or like I've literally never recognized revenue before. I, money goes into my bank account and I do whatever I want with it. <laughs> well, don't you file tax? You, you have like a profit and loss for tax purposes, right? I mean, I guess. I don't, oh, wait. Oh, I don't my pay God. attention. I, no, we do. We have book. We use uh, bench for bookkeeping and we have an accountant. I'm sure they're doing whatever they're doing. But like if it's just a tax thing, presumably you'd want to defer it. So you p- don't pay taxes in the current calendar year. I don't care about that. So like it seems like if anything, I'm hurting my like I'm not like breaking any rules by just taking the money and counting it as revenue. I wouldn't think. You know, it's funny. It's like my dad is an accounting professor and he listens. He, he's just going to tell me all the answers to this. I'm acting like, what random listener out there is going <laughs> to. Your dad's calling you for sure. <laughs> yeah. My, but I, I will say his general feedback to me, because I like, this is not the first time I've criticized my own knowledge about finances and accounting and stuff. And his general feedback is he's like, you know exactly as much as you need to know all the complicated stuff, like don't don't worry about it. It's for much bigger companies. So, for anyone out there that's feeling imposter syndrome, that's normally what he says. I, to me. I agree with that. By the way, is your dad averse to phone calls like you? So, do you guys just like text, or does he call you? He calls me. Okay, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's a unique Tyler thing, not a family thing. I think it's a millennial thing. I think you're the weirdo for liking <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anyone who talks. You, you know, we we give job offers. Do you ever give? I know you do recruiting. Do you ever give job offers at Windfall? Yes. Do you call people? Yeah, of course. Has anyone ever picked up? Every time. What? Well, I, I guess it's more of a scheduled call. It's like, hey, are you oh, available? Okay. It's like coordinated usually via an email or a text, and then you you call them. Gotcha. Yeah. Every time. Every time I never, we- I've never not delivered a job offer secretly. We used to have a policy of like not leaving a voicemail if we were calling to give someone a job offer because like it's just it's like a special moment and we wanted to do it live. And then mm-hmm. we realized like we're never going to be able to give another job offer. No one, no one picks up the phone. So <laughs> yeah. we started leaving voicemails. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, paddle migration happening. There's still probably another month or two before like all of our current customers uh, move over. But yeah, I'm, I'm moving on last, to other stuff. Last- Last episode, you talked a little bit about um, metric changes, starting to track customers again. Yeah, um, I know that's not necessarily related to Paddle, but like any any updates since since those revelations. Uh, not really. Just that I I'm enjoying it, but also like I kind of teased in that one. Like our user count is basically not growing, or like like it, it's growing but very slowly. Um, so I will be. It'll be a lot more fun once that number is going up, but um. The team has like we've got it written on the wall, and the team's excited about it. Just like like we said, I'm just rehashing what we said last episode, but it feels so much more genuinely like connecting us to the value we provide to pay attention to users instead of revenue. Should have never made that switch. Live and learn, man. Live and learn. I I love the fact. Fourteen years in, I still just keep making mistakes and uh, <laughs> and learning from it. it. Life would be pretty boring if I had everything figured out. It's <laughs> true. Um, yeah. What's going on with you? Well, we, um, I, I, you know this, but, um, we, we have our first, our first, uh, actual, uh, leg up benefits customer, uh, transitioning to the app. And so, um, it's a, it's our, it was our first ever leg up benefits customer. And, um, it's also going to be our first app customer, which is, which is great. Um, yeah. in addition, they're doubling their employee count. So, uh, not only are they transitioning to the app, which is cool, uh, cause you built it, um, but they are doubling the amount of money that they pay us, which is Awesome. Can we do some kind of like linear regression and map out what our revenue will be if we double MRR every month like this? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just want to get 200 cust- clients and 20 uh, employer customers. Like if that if we do that in the next 3 months, I'll be so happy. Yeah. Um that's great though. Why are they doubling the number of uh 
Like, did they already have? So, so for context for people, you've got a company, they've got their employees, and they can put their employees on this platform to help them get their own health insurance. They're going from five to 10, as I understand it. Were those five people just sitting around not using the old system? Uh, we The old system is a, is a spreadsheet. And what <laughs> happened was the person who was our contact at the company left the company and a new person replaced them and the spreadsheet stopped getting updated uh, mm. for two months. And so there, you know, basically like people left and new people came on and um, we didn't get notified of that. And so, gotcha. which wasn't good. And so it's actually like the perfect trigger point it was like, Hey, you know, you're a new person, let's get you on the new system. Um, and uh, you know, let us show you value uh, even more so than we've done in the past, right before open enrollment. Cool. I'm a little nervous. Cause you know, I, I wrote the code for this a few months ago and basically no one's used it. Um, now it's like, well, I sure hope it works. <laughs> Pull the bandaid off. Yep. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. Uh, and then uh, one of the challenges we've had with like at benefits in particular is, is just like getting deals done because our service is, is so generous um, in, in general. Um, and so uh, when we go like, Oh, and we're going to pay for it. People are like, wait, but I've been getting it for free. Um, so we're, we're dealing with like this pricing uh, and sort of product positioning challenge. Um, but uh, JD is authorized to like do deals um, to get deals done uh, for temporary amounts of time. So um, our goal is 10 leg up benefits customers, 10, uh, 20 employer customers, 10 leg up benefits customers, 10 group health insurance customers, group health insurance in the U S is just basically like one plan for a bunch of employees through the business. Um, and then leg up benefits is like an alternative to that, which is giving people money through our platform or just offering them service through our platform mm -hmm. as a benefit. So for the 10 leg up benefits ones, if, if that goal is achieved, there won't be a ton of revenue coming from that because JD will probably be, be giving discounts to, to close the deals. But the, the hope is a, we learn from it and B. uh, that when the renewal date comes, I assume this is like an annual contract or something. When it renews, that then they would start paying full price. Yeah, my general, my our, my general hypothesis is that we don't. Our pricing structure is probably wrong. Um, it's too it's too complex and probably too variable based on the number of employees. Um, and then the second thing is that uh, I do believe that once we're embedded, uh, I think it's very difficult to get rid of us um, because we're going to be very much part of the, an extension of the business owner often in terms of like caring for employees. And so if we, mm -hmm. if we execute on our value proposition, the, the, the marginal cost of going from what, like 50 bucks a month to 200 bucks a month, uh, versus like not having us at all, I, I think is, is somewhat like irrelevant. Um, yeah. but, but it'll work itself out. Would it'll you be open out. to like, like, let's say long-term you find out I, I've, let me back up. I've never heard a business say they do this, but it seems like it would make sense that there might be products that are just hard to sell and you basically have to give it away for free or very, very cheap. And you like, it's not a temporary thing. It's like, that's always how you get the customer in the door. And then the second year it comes, would you be open to that? Or is it like, this has to be temporary? Uh, uh, what was the, so, so I, I, I the the way I I think about this and and in other businesses too is this is a proof of concept and 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 you can have like standardized proof of concept proposals where hey you know we recognize this is new and it's hard to sell so we have a standard four month POC proof of concept where we uh, offer our service at a discount and but but at four months um it, it you know you're going to agree that it steps up to this amount um you can opt out if you want mm -hmm. to before that date. But once, once it steps up, you're committed for some period of time to using us. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's one way of, of doing it. I think you're saying something different though. Well, no. Okay. But that, that's a common thing in like enterprise mm -hmm. sales world proof of concept. I guess I've heard of like a pilot program before. Mm -hmm. So you're not, I, I guess then my next question is like, if JD comes back to you and is like, let's just keep doing this proof of concept thing as is our way of selling people you're open to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think like, I think, um, I think what's, what's, uh, the challenge that we're trying to overcome right now is just getting some deals done. Um, uh, one it's out, we, it's hard to get deals done outside of the season, right? Like, so we were trying to get deals done between July and September and that's just, it's just hard in our business, right? Just no one's buying health insurance. In exactly. Yeah. And especially 
companies that don't have health insurance, like their employees can't do anything with health insurance right now. Like they're, it's outside of open enrollment. So we're entering this like period. And so we just, I just, I'm trying to make sure that we don't exit this open enrollment period without some number of customers. And, and and if we do, it shouldn't be because of price. Um, and so, so I I don't, I I don't really care if we did, you know, 20 of these deals, uh, instead of 10 or five of these deals instead of 10, I really don't care. It's just about like, let's get some of them and not have price. Yeah. You don't want to leave open enrollment with, with nobody. Cause then you have to wait another year to have another shot at it. Yep. It's an interesting model to think like, get as many customers as you can during this month and a half, even if you're significantly discounting. And then the work for the rest of the year is how do we get these people to pay us basically? Like yep. now, now you can convert a low paying customer to a high paying customer, which they can do off season, but they can't become a customer. Correct. Correct. That's interesting. Yep. Cool. But yeah, I know. I, I think like, is I think, um, if this product is hard to sell because it's hard to explain, then I absolutely am good with, with some form of, uh, of, of get in the door, you know, give it away for some period of time. But I think, yeah, I don't think it's indefinite give it away. I think there's a step, a step up after, after we've demonstrated value. Yeah. If they're not seeing, if it's not worth some amount to the employer, then we should both part ways. We will never have product market fit if we can't get people willing to pay. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, next up on my list is, I guess maybe just talking about growth and how it relates to product a little bit. This is kind of a recurring topic for me, but first of all, I don't have a point to make here. The pipeline is good. We have a lot of free trial users right now. If we just look at free trial, like kind of top of funnel-ish type stuff, you'd say we are getting out of our growth slump. It is not translating into paying customers, and I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I mean, the the number of paying customers are exactly s- stable. It's not like we're not getting new customers, but the pipeline... I always want to think of the free trial pipeline as a leading indicator of people paying us. And they just seem completely unrelated. And I don't like, what is that? Wait, you're saying that when your free trial pipeline increases, you don't see a lacking in, increase in growth? Yeah, pretty much. Um, mm, that sucks. I mean, I, I assume the explanation of that has to be that like new customers are coming in from lower value channels. Um, and we we have had it. Sometimes it's like, we sponsor a conference and we immediately get a hundred signups and those people convert because it's like a good fit or whatever. So I'm not saying that they never correlate with each other, but generally speaking, they're not nearly as correlated as I would expect. Hmm. Yeah. I still, it's a weird like psychic boost to see the, like as an entrepreneur, you just want to see numbers go up, you know? Um, it is fun seeing the free trial numbers go up. <laughs> so do you have, uh, I know that I feel like we've done this dance before, but I have to yeah. ask. So mm-hmm. when you look at your free trial pipeline, do you look at it all just like, Oh, there's a bunch of free trials in like one segment, or do you segment them into like different buckets where you're like, Ooh, that's a, that segment like converts at this percent. And that, yeah. that segment's up, which is a good sign. We do, but the segments are like, you know, so there's the sources we can track that they click on a Google AdWords link or from Captera or whatever. But the problem is the vast majority of signups are just they Googled less annoying CRM and signed up or something along those lines. So if you look at it, two thirds of all of the signups or more are this like organic uh, attribution. And that's that's where all the fluctuation happens. And I, I, I realize I probably could break it out more than that, but I have not. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to keep digging on this. So there's like horizontal segmentation, but then there's also vertical segmentation, which is like, and this is probably the wrong language, but like a free trial who signed up today is not the same and, and did nothing is not the same as a free trial who signed up a week ago and has like invited users. Right. Um, do you have like, uh, stages of free trial, uh, that, that like maybe, maybe aren't necessarily converting to payment, but like are, 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 are more likely to convert once they take in certain action. Short answer, no. Um, long answer, long ago when we had like a full-time data scientist, which we never should have had, but we did, and so we gave him data science work to do. Uh, he built like a lead scoring algorithm, I think kind of similar to what you're talking about, where it's like, yeah, are they... Basically what we find is if anyone does anything after the first session, if it, well, if anyone does anything at all in the first session, they're all immediately much more likely to pay. And if they do anything, if they come back a second time, they're paying. Uh 
it's not that hard to detect. The, the reason we threw it all away, he quit. He had all this complicated shit going on. And I was like, we're not doing anything with that information. Um, we what might, would I do with that if I had that answer? Yeah, I, I guess like I forget that lead scoring complicated. I think part of the, the challenge was the complication. But like, let's say you came up with a simple rule of like two plus sessions equals 80% or some like predictable percentage conversion, regardless yeah. of source. Like, like, or maybe it's three sessions. I don't know. Like some number of sessions is like, and, and we have done something similar yeah. like that since then, but yeah. I still don't know what to do with that information. Like they're well, what, pay or what they're I'm trying to get to is like the, what, 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 what the feedback loop you want is you don't want to like, what do you have a 30 day free trial? Yeah. So free trials go up today. You have to wait 30 days to see if that was good or not. Yeah, but what actions I, I agree with you. And, and this is, this is how business works. Everyone wants to know this answer, but when the data scientists left, this was not the only thing. There were a lot of reports he had that I looked at every day. I was looking at them. I was thinking I was learning things. And then he left and all the reports stopped working. And I was just like, my actions don't change at all. I was taking zero actions based on what I was learning in those reports. Like, let's say I do know the pipeline's good versus it's bad. I, I see your point. Like, it, it, at the end of the day, like, you don't know what led to these increase in free trials. So it's not like you would go do it again or more of something if you knew that they were, it was good that they were going up. Is that yeah, your point? And, right. We, and we do have very good ROI tracking on our different sources that we pay for. So it's like, we can tell is Google AdWords working? Is our retargeting working? But I'm just not sure it helps much to be able to predict 30 days in advance, how many new paying users we're going to get. I mean, if I were, if I were working for you with you and I were focused on growing uh, net new uh, accounts, um, mm -hmm. What I would want is to decrease the feedback loop of increasing free trials to know whether I like the 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 free trials I was adding were actually like good, like going to lead to actual convert conversions. And so, yeah. um, waiting thirty days would be really painful. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the thing that's missing for us right now versus what you just said is there's not a lot that we're doing that I think directly controls that amount of organic signups coming in. I mean indirectly yes but it's not like oh we wrote this blog post and that's generating some of these signups like we, we didn't do anything to cause it in the first place the, yeah, yeah that's fine but like you still would like like you just said um pipeline good growth bad like and you hope that pipeline good equals good growth better growth in 30 days or whatever the thing is but like it would be you would feel better if you knew like I, I think you would feel better if you knew that like the free trial pipeline that you have actually is better than the free pi pipeline trial pipeline that you had last month or worse, because then you would have to wait 30 days to find out if it was actually worse or better. I would feel better. Th th this is maybe like one of my learnings from back then, the the data scientist days was like data looking at reports makes you feel a certain way. <laughs> but if it if if it doesn't cause you to act better. It's a distraction. If you worked here and you were like, I'm going to go run a bunch of experiments and see if they work, then that feedback loop would matter. I don't think we're doing anything where that would matter. We, we are doing a lot of marketing experiments, but they're all ones we can track um, pretty well. They're all paid or various partnerships where we can use an affiliate link or that type of thing. Anyway, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't think we would actually make much enough use of it. If I could snap my fingers and have what you're talking about, I'd take it. I don't think it's worth investing time into like getting that. I agree with you because if it's not going to change your behavior, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. But I also would love to know how it should change my behavior, but that's maybe a whole different discussion. Um, leading that though into like, so, okay, just to recap last week, and we already hinted at the, this week, uh, the price increase for $10 users going to 50, like all of our our normal price is $15 per month. We're, we have a bunch of legacy users on $10. We're raising them to $15 a month. That means a growth mechanism we've had this whole time is increasing ARPU. Gradually, our average revenue per user is going from $10 to $15. That's going to happen all at once. We're going to realize it all at once, and we lose that growth. And now that we're looking at that, we're realizing our growth is actually worse than we thought it was because our users aren't growing that fast. It's just that our ARPU was growing, which is causing us to refocus on how do we get our user growth up. At the same time, our runway is extended because of this price change. We have more time to figure this out. Um, let me pitch you on what I'm thinking here. 
And I'm embarrassed in advance because like if you asked a third grader to run less annoying CRM, this is what they would come up with. Uh, but basically, I'm going to take a circuitous path towards getting to the conclusion here. Um, for the last year, we've been working on product-led growth-ish. You know this, but just to recap for anyone who hasn't been following, there's three big things we did. One was a redesign, which I would say is a prerequisite for other growth things, just like we had a very bad first impression because our product was ugly. I didn't expect this to necessarily directly lead to growth. Let's ignore that. We did that. It's done. I didn't think that would create a new growth channel per se. Then there were two things that I thought would create a new growth channel. Or I shouldn't say that I thought would. They were bets that we placed hoping they would. One was we added Zapier integration. As a reminder, the argument for why that would be create growth potentially. Number one, a lot of people just ask for it when they're signing up. Number two, though, the bigger one is like they have their own marketplace and marketing and stuff. And we're like getting on a marketplace, getting backlinks. Uh, maybe people will go on Zapier looking for a CRM and find us, that type of thing. It's a bet. I wasn't like confident it would work, but it was worth a shot. It didn't pan out at all. Uh, we, we have Zapier, which is great. I'm glad we have Zapier, but it did not create a new growth channel. With me so far? Mm -hmm. The second one was the API. And these two are related to, to build the Zapier integration. We needed a better API. But we launched this new API and then went out and tried to find people to partner with us, to build integrations with us. The hope being, A, it makes our product better, but that's not the growth part. B, if they have customers, like, yes, we're bigger. The people who are integrating with us, we tend to be bigger than them. That's, that's how integrations work, right? The smaller company builds the integration normally. So we'll send them leads, but maybe they'll send us some too. And if we go out and get 20 different integrations, each one of those might be a little trickle of leads coming in, and that could add up to something. Also did not pan out. Um, we got the integrations. We got a, actually a pretty good number of third-party integrations, and some of them are actually really good. The product got better. We have seen, I can't, I have never heard an example of someone from one of these other companies coming to us because they saw us there. So we placed two growth bets. Neither worked out. That's fine. That's how bet works. Bets work. I'm not beating myself up. But that that's where we are today. Any questions about the context I just set? Nope. So what, what's next? Yeah. Well, do you have thoughts for me before I go on on what I'm thinking? <laughs> I feel like um, we these are all okay. I feel like ev everything we talk about are like base hits. Mm -hmm. uh, like they're optimizing something that is already sort of working versus like high leverage um, home run swings. And so mm -hmm. like if you really were to look at each of these before you built them, the the probability that they were, they're, they're incremental if you're being honest versus exponential opportunities. Fair. And so I, I wonder, like, I wish there was like two of these and one exp. I wish we had some exponential bets that failed. What's, do you have an example? I really, you're not going to be able to come up with an exponential example you're for my business. You're scheduling, like oh, okay. scheduling links. Like, uh, we've talked about a lot of them, um, but they're complex and they're, they, they are, um, exp like, uh, they require so, lots of, uh, new product innovation. Um, and they're less like they're, 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 uh, they could waste a lot of energy and time. Is the difference for you between the ones we... Because like a year ago when we talked, I, I think the API one was more of a stretch. I did think Zapier was the best bet um, in terms of like, like why is scheduling links? Is the reason you're more excited about that because of the viral component? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. it's just something like it's... it's it's a it, it, These are like more table stakes uh, CRM features that also could provide some increased brand awareness and word of mouth, um, extensions. Uh, whereas like scheduling links is a leap forward, although it's, it's, you know, it's becoming more of a feature expectation of CRMs yeah. of, in your space. Um, so, but, but like it, it at least like, but, so maybe it's in the same, you know, category and I'm not thinking big enough still. Um, well, or if, I don't know if it's big, it's, you're saying it's a base hit. I think it's an out. I think we struck out with these, which again, I don't regret I, I, no, doing I'm not it. saying I'm not saying that they were base hits. I'm saying that they, they never had the chance been. to be home runs. And so okay. um, I, I wish that we had failed 
at, uh, <laughs> uh, at I wish we had I'd struck out on a on a uh, home run here. Gotcha. Like, and I don't see. I don't think we tried. Fair enough. Um, I still like, so one of the next features coming up is it's not appointment scheduling, but forms has that viral component to it. Um, and like the hope is the reason it's forms rather than, uh, appointment scheduling is it's much easier to build. And the hope is we can, I think it could be another, you know, strikeout potentially, or it could be a home run, but like, I want to see, does this viral thing actually work at all before investing major, major in it? And I just want to just remind everyone, we're talking about product-led growth opportunities. This is not like the other side of the of the business, which is like, let's actually just go focus on increasing like top of funnel right. um, without products help, just like good old fashioned demand gen, yeah. um, which is, is, is intentional on your part. Like that well, is not something- Eunice is doing that and Alex is doing that, but it is intentional that I think like the DNA of the company is long, long term, we have to have- uh, the core pillar here needs to be product and the other types of growth are an important part of it, but they're supplementing the core engine, which is based on product. That's, that's my hypothesis here. Yep. Um, which I think is probably mostly true for like self-serve low cost SaaS, um, that it's normally going to be more product focused. And then as you get more enterprisey, you can have more of a like, no, this is a sales driven or a marketing driven type approach. I think. Mm -hmm. Sound right. Okay. So I, I totally agree with the the viral thing. I still definitely want to experiment with that. Um, it's funny you said that the things we did are incremental, though, because a part of me wants to go to an even more incremental thing. And let me explain what I mean by that. When I look, so I had a very sobering moment the other, like last week. Uh, the developer who built Zapier was like logged into their tools and they have like a number of how many people are using Zapier. Um, and it's not just how many people have it. We know how many people have it enabled on our end. It's how many people have an active zap that runs over, I don't know, a week or a month or whatever. 50. That's good. No, that's not good. We have 26,000 users. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that means it's valuable. That means you have like some level of value. Like, What, what do you mean? What, if it was zero, I'd be a lot more concerned than 50. 50 means like it's just not marketed well. We've added thousands of users since we built it and it's like a part of the onboarding and stuff. I, I think are the reality is our customers don't need it. Oh, I see your point. Okay. Um, or it's too complicated. Like, so 150 people started setting it up. 50 people have an active zap, um, pretty high attrition rate there. I don't know. I don't know what's normal. That seems pretty good. Maybe, maybe that is good. But the, the thing is what's so funny, uh, the CRM coaches and Alex who does sales for us, Alex said, uh, estimates nine out of 10 of his conversations. They talk about Zapier. Yeah, then but nobody the, but, goes on and uses he's talking, it. but he's also talking. So, so this is another segmentation question of the people who implemented Zapier. Like how many of them are in like multi-user accounts? Uh, like what's the breakdown? I don't know the answer to that, but yeah. I mean, 50 is such a pathetically small number. Like, yeah, it, it's so it's, it's, it's barely a drop in the bucket. I can tell you why I would ask during the sales process. Um, it's not necessarily about my ability to use it today. It's about my ability to use it in the future. Um, mm -hmm when I need it and I may never use it. It's insurance. Yeah, uh, if I, I can't, I can't get locked into a CRM and not be able to, to scale because CRM migrations are a pain in the ass. So I asked that question during the sales process. So whether they're using it is not actually indi indicative of whether it's helping your sales. Uh, th that's fair. And my point here isn't necessarily that it's not helping our sales. Um, and we actually just exactly what you just said. We had that conversation today where we were like, all these people have this checklist of things that they don't need right now, but they want in the future and they'll probably never use it, but they still, so I totally agree with you there. But, uh, part of my point here, so there, there's Zapier and then there's the API. I mean, practically nobody, like the API is not even really meant to be used by our typical customer. I would guess across our 26,000 users, fewer than 1% are even potentially using Zapier or the API combined. So we just had some swinging for base hits, but the thing is the strikeout is no nothing. Like the strikeout's a real out because the fallback should be, well, at least we made the product better, but we made the product better in ways that barely impact any of our real customers. Um, I don't exactly regret it. Both of those are features that are just like, we, we need to have Zapier integration. I, I don't act like I regret it, but I've been looking at it recently through a lens of, are there any, could we take any swings here where if it even if it doesn't pan out as much as we want, or, or let me phrase this differently, what's a feature that seventy percent of our customers would use instead of 0.001%? And 
what occurred to me is we haven't built features like that in a long ass time. And I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Do you, I mean, that's a really hard thing to do is, is take 70 very different small business, 70% of your customers and try to find one thing that you haven't built already. Like, is that possible? Well, if you, if you're thinking it has to like solve a new business problem for them, probably not. But like, let me give you an example. Well, let, let me give an example when we're not going to build for reasons I've hashed, uh, hashed out in previous episodes. For a long time, we we're going to do appointment uh, event invites, where if you create an event on the calendar, right now we don't actually send an email to anyone inviting them to it. Everyone who uses the calendar would see that. Like the, They'd create the event and it would pop up and be like, do you want to send the invite? Maybe they would choose not to, but they would at least be like, wow, Less Annoying Serum added something. I don't think any of our customers even know what Zapier is or care. So, so let me give you another example. We have not touched our notes feature, which is like the core feature of any CRM, especially ours. Like you create a contact and then you enter a note about them. We've not touched this experience in 10 years. There's no formatting. You can't do bullet lists. You can't do bold or italics. There's, there's a million things that could be better about it. It's literally just a plain text field and you hit a button and submit it. Would it solve any new problems for our customers to make that text box better? No. But every single one of our customers, like 90% of our customers would notice it and be impacted by it. And I'm trying to ask myself, like, is there something there? <laughs> or is that just another, you build it, people smile and then move on? I mean, I would build that. I, would, I, I didn't realize that. I mean, that seems like, do it. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's priorities, right? Like, if you'd said that a year ago, I'd say, okay, we won't build Zapier and we'll do that instead. Um. I'm starting to think back to the what a third grader would do. They'd be like, what do all your customers want? Go build that. Yeah, but what do they want? Do they oh, want we, for better formatting? Yeah, people ask for that all the time. They they want task improvements. We, we have like a task feature, but it's anyone listening to this. If you actually tried it out, you would be like, you should be ashamed of calling that tasks. You can't reorder them. You can barely categorize them. There's no recurring tasks. There's like, I have a list of 20 things that gets asked every single day about improving tasks. Uh, we've, we've got a list of a hundred things that get asked once a week. Um, some, some more than others I could prioritize within that hundred, but yeah, we have no shortage of ideas there. What, what, like, if, I don't know how, what would be interesting to test if you took like some period of time, like 90 days and you said, we're only going to work on things that people ask for and you just see what it does to your growth. So I like this basic idea. I think realistically it doesn't have a, an impact in 90 days probably though. This, I don't think this is the type of thing that just immediately turns the ship around. I don't know. I feel like uh, this is a type of stuff that leads to like people talking. Yeah, potentially. But even, I mean, it's such a slow burn. Like people don't even pick CRMs in 90 days, right? Even if they start talking about it, that's, there's still probably a lot. Yeah. So the, the reason I, I, I'm kind of making a lot of excuses here and, and sorry if I'm sounding defensive or whatever, I think what I want to do is place a bigger bet than 90 days and just be oh, like, let's do this for the next, the rest of the next year. Yeah. Something like that. This goes against all marketing advice in the indie hacker world. Right. Everyone, I think I've been overly influenced by all the advice that's like, it should be directly growth related. It should create a new channel, yada, yada. I, I mean, I, I, I would love, I mean, I think this is, I think you should do this. I would love to just like talk more about like top of funnel um, activities and. Okay. Like, I, like, let's like, do that. <laughs> I know that you don't like, I, I think, yes, you should do this. Should be, this should be your product strategy for some period of time. And then you should also like double down on some growth initiatives that like leverage the equity that you have with your customers um, and leverage the, uh, this type of approach as reinforcement of why they should move forward with you. Um, I love that. I have that topic on my okay. list here. How can we market to our current customers? Um, Cause you, you mentioned that a couple episodes ago, but mm -hmm. let me just put a pin in this real quick. If this works or whether this works or not, I think the bet that we're placing is You've probably heard, I know you don't follow like indie hacker type Twitter and indiehackers.com and stuff like that as much as I do, but you've probably heard a lot of people say, build it and they will come doesn't work, right? Because there's a million indie hackers out there who are software engineers that are like, I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to add every feature. And then they sit there and nobody uses it. You familiar with this kind of narrative in this world? Yeah. And it it's right most of the time, especially when you're going from zero to one. 
Exactly. I think this is what the bet I'm placing here, if we end up doing this, is build it and they will come maybe works if you have 10,000 customers already. Improve it and they will talk and other people will come. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but like, yeah, I I, th I think maybe the world is simpler than I was giving it credit for. And when people buy CRMs, they actually look at features and they actually look at product quality and they buy the best CRM they can find. and. Five years ago, we were compared to our competitors quite a bit better than we are now because we spent the last five years, honestly, not shipping a lot of stuff that actual customers are asking for. Yeah, that, that that's logical to me. It, yes. Okay. And I do think that there is a word of mouth thing that happens when you provide, ex uh, when someone types in and says, I want this feature and it gets delivered to them within some period of time where they remember that they asked for it and they believe that their ask contributed to it being done. Mm -hmm. they go out of their way to talk about it. Mm. And that's that exceptional, remarkable experience type thing. Um, and I think your customer service provides that. But for the people who aren't interacting with customer service, um, how are you affecting them with remarkable experience? Um, that is very powerful. And that's, that is the big bet with like a pelt too, like that I just have to be okay with. Like the worst, as long as someone asked me like, what what if you what happens if you miss your growth numbers this year for leg up health and i and i told him i said it it would be, hitting our growth numbers makes it really easy to keep going because it, it it transitions the business into a growth business versus the survival business um but the truth of the matter is if we if if jd and i just show up for 10 years we have a 3 4 million dollar business simply because what we do creates remarkable experiences that naturally leads to people talking about us which seems to have some like larger multiplying effect than just like uh like um replacing our lost customers. And so eventually we we start like growing faster than we can like imagine. Um anyway, um my point here is that like if if you feel like you've taken your pedal off the gas on that effect, getting that pedal pressed again is probably your number one priority. Um and it sounds like you feel that way. I do. I want to argue against myself so that a year from now, when it turns out it didn't work, I can be like, see, I saw it coming. Um, <laughs> I No, I do. And I, what I especially like about it is, remember how I said earlier, with, with Zapier and the API, the strikeout was a real strikeout. With with all of this other stuff, even if it has no impact on growth, it's like, well, the product got a lot better. I, I, I mean, it did with Zapier too, but like, if, if all of our customers are getting the things they're asking for, that's got to, that's better than nothing. The alternative way of saying it is like a, a significant number of customers are not getting what they're asking for. So here's, and that leads to the counter argument though. And sorry to oh, yeah. belabor this. Yeah. If I'm, if, if I'm in your shoes and I want to tell myself I'm an idiot right now, what I'd say is less annoying CRM is already has the highest user satisfaction, customer satisfaction of any CRM on G2. We get almost all five star, five out of five reviews. Our customers love us. That's not the problem. And I don't really know how to argue against that. I believe that your reviews, I haven't looked through them, but my guess is if you read through the reviews, especially recent reviews and compared them to past reviews, there's probably a difference between them. Um, my guess is it's mostly reviewing customer service versus software. And there's probably, I don't, I'm just making assumptions here. I don't know, but there's probably some information in the reviews, the frequency of the reviews, the recency of the reviews that would tell you that something may have changed. If you have this gut feeling um, mm -hmm. that you've changed your behavior on how you are building and uh, developing the service uh, product. Um, it's probably reflected in the reviews uh, if you if you were to analyze it. I don't know if that's true or not, um, but but it's possible. It's possible. I read every single re forget G two reviews. We do like MPS surveys and stuff. I read every single one of them. I haven't noticed a pattern, but yeah, we haven't like gone too deep into it. Like the scores are not going down, um, but maybe the, the qualitative feedback. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reality, it's not even that we change our priorities. We just, I spent so long trying to figure out how to build a dev team and run a company where I'm not the only developer. Between the years 2014 and 2019, we basically didn't ship anything. And since then, we've been building our team up. Anyway, yeah, I, I just think like we can actually ship stuff in a way that we never could before. Uh, I want to go see what it's like to go back to the old days of Let's just try and make the product good. I feel like you're just going through this getting back to basics transition. Um, yeah. And I don't think you can overcorrect on that, Tyler. And I think that's what you're trying to avoid. Like 
if you overcorrect on it, it will become apparent and you will like take off the gas. So I would just slam on the gas here. Just go for it. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I love it. I, th- I think you get back to basics, the, 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 the quicker you can get back to like not basics. And you know what the final thought, great news here forms, the thing that I want to build for virality. And that's also what excites you. One of our most requested features. So I, I can have my cake and eat it too here. I don't there have you go. to do one or the other. Yep. I, cool. I love that. All right. I took up a lot of time. Uh- <laughs> that's fun. I like, it actually made me like, I, I, the, 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 the I spent a lot of time thinking about this because like the, I'm in a different phase, but I'm thinking about the same thing. It's like, Oh, like, are we, are we, when we spend an hour on the phone with like the 1% of customers who are having the worst possible experience, like their kid just had a emergency, you know, uh, like a room visit out of the country, uh, at a sporting event. Um, and they're wondering if their health insurance is going to cover it. Like it's not making us money. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it is the thing that defines us. Um, and and if, if we die doing that thing, I, I have to be okay with it. Because if that is the thing that if we do consistently for 10 years is going to be the reason ultimately that we become a very profitable business, it's not going to be because we, we, were, we rushed off the call and we uh, tried to make you know, 10 extra cold calls that day. I love that. It goes against everything that the zeitgeist is talking about. But I think, and it's, again, it's what a third grader would say. And, uh, there's some truth in that simplicity, I think. Yep. Or I hope we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but like, I think you have to be willing. I think part of this is like back to basic principles. Like, yeah, I'm going to live by my principles and I'm going to die by my principles. Um, and that's okay. I like the, yeah, this is the bigger a company gets. Um, it's when we were three people, I was very comfortable being like, yeah, if something goes wrong and we go out of business, who cares? You know, it's it's a lot harder to talk about if we die doing this thing, it's okay. But I, that has to be the attitude. I think you're right. I need I, that, to- that's the theme about all the things you're talking about is like, hey, like we we, we got big and, and we tried to do it a different way. And yeah. it's not, it, and it, it doesn't feel right and it doesn't look like it's working. So why are we doing it this way? Yeah. And- it feels like it can't be as simple as what I'm saying. That that's I think that's the guilt that's causing me to second guess mm. this at all. It's just like, really, like do the thing I want to do that I've been <laughs> wanting to do for the last decade. That's it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I think like um have you ever read that book? Um uh, what's the guy? Uh he had a uh, a company called C D Baby where he like basically Oh yeah, Darren Sivers, Sivers. Yeah, Sivers, Derek Sivers. Um Derek, he, wrote, sorry, he, yeah. wrote, he wrote a book about this basically. And his advice, like, you know, granted he is basically a writer these days and like had a a, a big business hit you know, hit where he made like a he made a ton of money. Um yeah. even though the business failed. Like I, I don't want to learn too many lessons from him because it was a <laughs> yeah. disaster. But. but but like most of the the things he talks about, like are this type of thing, which is like, it's just, it is simple actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I'm, uh, the thing that I'm most, the, the, the price increase is going to be the correct thing to do. And the number one reason why I'm so confident about that is we can spend the next year or more than a year just going all in on this and not even questioning it. And, uh, we have that kind of runway to place that bet, which before the price change, I would have said, well, I don't have the pay. I, I can't be patient enough to do it that way. And now we can. So thanks for talking through that with me. That was helpful. Um, I don't know if you've got to get going here, but anything else on your list? You I, I just discuss? have one more thing and I, that I'd like your advice on. Um, and so we'll, like, this is one of those things where it's like, if I didn't have a podcast, I, I probably would slack you. And then like, it would take us a, a, a couple days to get like to a point on this. So mm-hmm. um, one thing we're going to do is, I actually haven't sent an update to the people who care about leg up health and have helped us in over a year. Um, and so there's like, I don't know, 500 people that I think have interacted with us either as a client or if they become a former client or they considered us and we weren't the right fit or they're uh, a former investor or uh, advisor or, or just friend, local friend, like uh, clockwork cafe, Ben, um, mm-hmm. as an example of this, I hope that's okay that I'm mentioning him. Um, uh, and, uh, if you're in Park City, go check out Clockwork Cafe. Shout out, Ben. Um, best breakfast burrito on earth. The best. Uh, <laughs> Made actually. on a George Foreman grill. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there's all these people who I think would be interested in hearing how we are doing and not be annoyed by like 
an update. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I, I want to ask people to help us, um, and, and, it, and, and help other people by helping us. Um, and so I've crafted, we've crafted an email. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you, like, I'm going to, JD and I are going to send it from us to a large group of people. It'll be mm-hmm. personalized, like high cer- certain person. And we'll make sure it's like not spammy. Um, I'll send them one by one if I have to. Um, but I, we wanted to know if you wanted to sign your name too, to that, um, after you reviewed it, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I obviously less annoying is my main thing, but I'm on the team. So yeah, put my name on there. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? Well, yeah, yeah. You better, I mean, you better read the copy. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll read it. It's in Slack if you want no, to. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel comfortable having my name as when, when we're speaking as we, I'm one of the we. Cool. That would be great. Um, um, and like, and, and it, we will not send it to anyone who's like not connected uh, first degree to one of us. Um, um, but this is just like, it's basically like, hey, big announcement. We've actually hit our goal, our first goal. So this is the big thing I want to end on. The big mm-hmm. milestone we've we've already hit this year, I didn't even realize it, is we've served over 400 Utahns. Hmm. That was our initial uh, milestone goal. And we initial we as get, of like starting the company or the this company. year? That was my okay. initial like milestone goal. And we've hit it. Wow. And I, and I didn't even realize it. Um, but because we track clients and customers now and we've had turnover, we've, we've surpassed the 400 Utahns, um, through Ooh. families. Cause they're average, like we have over hundred customers. Now our average, um, household size is, uh, greater than two. It's between two and three. Um, and then you add in customers, uh, employers as well. Um, it is pretty amazing. So that's awesome. Congrats, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically what we've said is we're, we're announcing that we've hit that and that we've expanded our service so that we can serve any Utah small business owner, regardless of their health insurance approach, which is a unique mm-hmm. offering. <laughs> um, yeah. and you know, basically we've hit our goal and, um, we would love to, you know, this is the one time of year where people are actually interested in talking about health insurance, except not really. Um, but, uh, you know, now's the time if you have someone in your network that we can help to, to tell them about us. Uh, do you have time to riff on this a little bit or are yeah. you? Yeah, go for um, it. I think go that, in two minutes. Okay. A thing that some founders do that I really like, and I'm on one of these email lists, is they basically write like kind of like a board of directors update email every month or however often, but they, it's a bootstrap company. They don't have a board of directors, but they send it out. And like, I get this for one other company and like, I'm just like, a thousand times more likely to do what I can to help that company because it feels cool to kind of be in the inner circle and, you know, it has like questions. Can you help with this and that? And I know you've already talked a lot about how do we, uh, how do we get our network to refer more and all that kind of stuff? It sounds like what you're saying is almost the same thing, but have you thought about making it more of like an inside circle type of a recurring thing? Yes. Um, I just don't have the time to put the, the, uh, the thoughtfulness into it. Um, and I, I just, I don't know that uh, our stage of business has uh, in the pace at which we're moving um, Mm -hmm. is interesting enough to do it more than once a year currently. Um, And so I think once a year would be our cadence um, uh, for something like that, but it's not, that's probably not as frequent enough to be like, Oh, I'm really inside this thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one I get, there are a lot of asks like, Hey, we need a marketing consultant. Who's good at this. Anyone know anyone or, you know, like a bunch of stuff beyond just, can you refer me to a Utah small business? And Hopefully, you know, there comes a point where Leg Up Health is doing enough different things that that becomes more necessary. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, Anything else you want to chat about before I jump? I've got more topics, but I'll save them for next time. All right. If you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.